0: Welcome to the Age of Radio. You are listening to episode four. Episode four was recorded on 11-21-2017. This episode wasn't recorded in front of a live studio audience, but there are a bunch of animals that live here, so you might hear some barks and yaps in the background. The barks are the dogs. The yaps are my wives. So that being said, I only have one wife. I am here with my sidekick, Furiosa the Hamster. She will be chilling in her cage. In this episode, we'll be starting the December 2017 Podcast Awards. We will be diving into the Instagram engagement rate. In business development, I will talk about the tough time I've had looking at the cost of our award show and continuing to look at our scorecards for both JV Impacts and Age of Radio. Also, I'm going to talk about weighing in, being my weight, and the fact that I'm gaining weight. um, My weighing in every day and decreasing my calorie intake. Happy Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is another one of America's lies about what really transpired with the Native Americans, so I encourage you to go down to your local library and get some books on Thanksgiving, and do your due diligence to see how we've been lied to about our history, but on the flip side, who the fuck doesn't love turkey? I know I do, especially since I'm gaining weight, but the great thing about Thanksgiving is, though, it's good to be thankful about stuff. Um, Showing gratitude is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that you can do for yourself every single day. Something that John Vasquez taught me uh, when I used to work for him and not with him like I do now. Actually, we were technically always worked together, but I directly reported to him when he was in corporate America. And uh, one of the things that he always talked about was being grateful for things. And as I uh, am a Buddhist and I study Buddhism, um, that's something that uh, Buddhists, Buddhists talk about a lot about being grateful. So since today is Thanksgiving that you're listening to this, I really wanted to take some time and tell everyone what I'm thankful for. And I hope that you tell all of the people that you're thankful for today that you're thankful for them. But the first person I'm thankful for is my mother who is the reason I am who I am and continue to accomplish so much in my life, both spiritually, mentally, and uh, physically. Um, I'm grateful for my wife, um, Danielle. Uh, We are coming up on our fourth year of marriage. I have known my wife for about 17 years. I've been with her 12 years, and we've been married for four years. She has supported me through my alcoholism, my borderline personality, and anxiety disorders. Um, she stayed with me while I completed my undergraduate studies and graduate studies. Um, she was there for me when I was diagnosed with type one diabetes and, um, she supports me working to 60 to 80 hours a week for the last seven years. And she su- supports me trying to get that um, work week up to hundred hours a week as we work on the businesses that we, um, we own or that I own that we own. Um, so I want to thank my uh, best friend, Luke McRoberts, who taught me the value of knowledge uh, without him, I don't think I would have uh, gotten my life back together. Um, I saw him finish school, and uh, uh, his uh, ability to think always amazes me. And he's probably the smartest person that I know. Uh, and I want to thank my grandparents for helping to raise me with my mom. Um, the small amount of conservatism, conservatism that I believe in, um, I learned from my grandparents, and it's all the good parts about conservatism that I learned from them. I want to thank my best friend, uh Uh, and business partner john vasquez uh, for supporting our ventures both financially and for grinding every day while i'm at my day job and uh, taking the leap of faith that a lot of people don't have the courage to do to uh, leave their jobs and go after their dreams and make their dreams reality Uh, and i want to thank the only other friends that i really have um which are andrea and kristen zizzo uh, I also want to thank Trish and Jen Black, who I haven't really seen since our Caribbean cruise. Um, but the, these four people are probably the kindest, nicest, and funniest people that I could ever hang out with or that anybody could ever hang out with. They're amazing people, and I really support or I really, I'm glad that they're a part of my life. And I'm also uh, very happy for... Um, uh, part of my wife's family. Um, her mother, Teresa and her um, father, Jesse, um, they're supportive too with the things that we do. Um, and her mother, Teresa is one of the nicest ladies in the world. Um, so I really appreciate them. And then they have a side of their family called the Hannibals, um, that are fantastic people. And they've taken me in on my own. So, or as one of their own, I guess I should say. So I'm greatly thankful for them. And, um, and, uh, Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of shit that else that I'm thankful for, but that's all I could think of when I was writing this podcast. Um, So um, the other thing I want to say is to Drea and Kristen and Trish and Jen, um, uh, one day when I can, I will make sure that we all can go on a cruise together two or three times a year because going on cruises is amazing and I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then, oh, one other person that I'm very, very thankful for is Isaac Newton for creating calculus. And I think that's important because Isaac Newton was born on December 25th and we should really be celebrating his birthday instead of the birth of Jesus. Just my opinion, whatever. And then also want to thank uh, Shakyamuni Buddha uh, for showing us how everything is interconnected. Um, and also for physics in general for showing us how everything is interconnected. Um, I think it's amazing, and I think all of you should study study um, science, specifically physics, and also Buddhism, two things that I hold dear to my heart. All right, enough of that. Enough of that thank- thankfulness stuff. Now, let's get on with the goodies. So, first thing, make sure you vote for your favorite November show that I recapped on the Age of Jeremy um, show in October. So those shows, again, they were Uncivil, Coffee with Butterscotch, School of Podcasting, and Star Talk. So go to the Facebook group, Age of Radio Heads. Um, you can find it on Facebook, and you will be able to vote for your favorite show. Whoever wins out of the voting we have until the end of November, um, they will, I will, I will be sending on behalf of Age of Radio a prize, a prize that I'm going to talk more about in the business development section. All right. Before I play the first podcast, I want to let everybody know that I launched uh, ageofjeremy.com. You can find a blog there that I'm going to do my best to post every other week. We'll see how that goes. Um, But there's a a blog up right now about the importance of procrastination, or at least how it helps me. So that's ageofjeremy.com. And then also we are featuring some great Amazon products for Smart Home Month. So make sure you check that out. And if you join the Age of Radio Syndicate, which is free, we will also advertise your products on ageofjeremy.com and ageofradio.org. Now, ageofradio.org isn't up yet, but it will be hopefully uh, by the beginning of next year. Um, but our featured Syndicate product is Royd to Riches by John Vasquez. You can find a link in ageofjeremy.com or you can purchase the Roids to Riches book authored by John Vasquez at jvimpacts.com. So you can get it on ageofjeremy.com or you can get it on jvimpacts.com. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at ageofjeremy and on Facebook at ageofjeremy and also follow Age of Radio on Facebook and join the Age of Radio Heads group where you can help shape the universe. All right, we're going to start the December picks with a podcast called Modern Day Philosophers, and it's hosted by Danny Lobel. Uh, Danny Lobel is a comedian that has toured with the late Ralphie May, who was a good friend of his. Um, his podcast, Modern Day Philosophers, is fucking amazing. He brings comedians into his studio, and they discuss philosophy, hence why it's called Modern Day Philosophers. Uh, people like uh, Dr. Mayam B- 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 Mayim Balik from The Big Bang Theory. I'm probably butchering her last name, but Blossom. Um, and Amy, uh, Amy Farrah Fowler from The Big Bang Theory. And then Bobcat Goldthwait, um, uh, who is also a fantastic comedian. Um, and something that I learned that he hates, uh, he hates being remembered for his part in the police academy police academy movies and i fucking love the police academy movies but anyway here is one of the clips from the show with doug stanhope as the guest And welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn Basic Philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel.
1: Modern Day Philosophers. She gets it. Oh my no, I get God. this. I, I so she's you lying. Mean, I don't get she, it. She yeah. lies all the time. Oh, Here, this oh, one. Oh, listen, yeah. Anne-Marie, listen. I am striving to give back the divine in myself to the divine in the all. There's like a torus of
2: inner inward and outward on that that makes you... It's kind of like a koan in the Buddhist tradition where you kind of just turn inside out, like a Rumi quote where you just kind of... It's not necessarily that you have some... Sorry, I knew this
1: pit bull was rabid when I opened the cage. (laughs) (laughs) The next one... Yes, I'm I'm trying to to give back. Let me ask you, have you ever had moments... With the divine, have you ever had any thoughts of the divine? No, never, no, never in your whole life. Have you ever prayed moments once, of
2: ecstasy like when you're just like at one and or Brett
1: Erickson has a great joke. He goes, because, I'm an atheist, but I find myself faltering <laughs> in, my, uh, in my belief in tight spots. Yeah, <laughs> tight <laughs> spots. Like, the, oh the, Jesus, oh, oh please don't let her be pregnant. Or is, is that's that, not his joke, but but is that, that true? Do you bad. find are there moments where you pray or where you look for something more? In no. your life, never. No. All right. When I was uh, when I was younger, I was you know the uh, it's kind of cliched and hackneyed at this point. Is uh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, and uh, I, I'm trying to get less atheist because I like to believe in a lot of things uh, that are it's just like illogical. But yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah. I definitely believe that God is a oneness within everybody. I feel like life is a spark, and that we're all part of the same spark. That's that's where I'm at. And and you have no basis for that belief. It just makes you well, happy. Well,
2: even the Christian right. book says God is love.
1: I, I'll I'll tell you what. It does make me happy. But that's all I care about is my own happiness. And whatever makes you happy, whether you believe in fucking. Yeah, hip hop or scratch tickets. Kenny comes over and plays scratch tickets all day, and he thinks that five hundred dollar winner is gonna change his life and whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And, I, and I, I like to believe in oh, it's more than coincidence and it's fate. And but it's, it's it it's based on nothing other than making you you're deluding yourself because we don't know. Right, and that's the horror of the emotionless logic of being a long-term drunk, where you lose emotion, you lose, and you just see things through. Now,
0: somewhere along the way, I started following Danny LaBelle on Instagram, and one night, I think it was like on a Saturday or Sunday, I decided to direct message him and uh, see uh, what his thoughts were on podcast networks. He said he, uh, Oh, actually, first of all, it was really kind of cool that he actually responded to me, uh, mainly because, it, you know, my perception is that he's a big comedian and he's a funny comedian. He he's, seems like a funny guy. Uh, he is a funny guy. Um, he seems like a really nice guy because he responded to my direct message and we kind of had a back and forth conversation about uh, why he did, wasn't on a podcast network Uh, why he didn't really feel the need to join a podcast network uh, mainly because he has an ad agency that he works with Um, which brings me to the conclusion that you know a lot of people think that joining a podcast network is the fact that they advertise your show and they get you ads and if you can do that yourself what's really the point in joining a podcast network Um, but as you'll see as we move along um, in life and listening to this podcast age of radio is going to be so much more but Um, It was really interesting because in that conversation that I had with Danny LaBelle, he actually offered to be on this podcast, which I thought was freaking fantastic. I don't really know the reason for him being on here. I kind of thought that maybe I should put him on this specific podcast because I'm talking about his show, but I – Kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable with it. Didn't know how I was going to do it. Trying to work 100 hours a week. I didn't know how I was going to put it all together. But I think that's really cool that he reached back. he reached out to me. Or um, he responded back to me on the um, direct messaging on Instagram. And we had a conversation. Um, I think that's really, really great. Um, and maybe, you never know, once Age of Radio gets ginormous, which it will, he'll join the network. All right. That was Modern Day Philosophers with Danny LaBelle. Uh, next, I was kind of debating on this one. You know, I've listened to it. I've listened to, um, the podcast serial and and I, I didn't know how mainstream I wanted to go, but when, when you really listen to this next podcast, it is, it's really, really good. Like it's really well developed. Uh, it's the production is phenomenal on it. The journalism is phenomenal on it. The, um, the, the intensity of it and wanting to just continue listening to it is amazing. And, um, the podcast that I'm talking about is This American Life's uh, S-Town. Um, so the name of the podcast is S-Town uh, for shit town is what it really stands for. But in 2012, uh, a, a horologist, John B. McLemore, uh, sent an email to staff of the show This American Life, which is another podcast. And they were asking them – he was asking them, This American Life, to investigate an alleged murder – in his hometown of Woodstock, Alabama. Um, And Woodstock, Alabama, if you listen to the podcast, McLemore, like he freaking hates the entire state, the entire town. Um, He despises it. Um, But after a year of exchanging emails um, back and forth and several months of conversation, um, uh, McLemore, so let me back up. So the conversations that McLemore had was with producer Brian Reed and uh, Brian Reed's the producer for This American Life. So Brian Reed and uh, Macklemore, Micklemore, they were having uh, conversations, not the rapper. Um, they were having conversations back and forth. And so Brian Reed, the producer of This American Life, traveled to the small town in Alabama to investigate. Um, so I'm going to play a, a clip for you right now. and This is from S-Town or Shit Town.
3: Chapter one. When an antique clock breaks, a clock that's been telling time for 200 or 300 years, fixing it can be a real puzzle. An old clock like that was handmade by someone. It might take away the time with a pendulum, with a spring, with a pulley system. It might have bells that are supposed to strike the hour, or a bird that's meant to pop out and cuckoo at you. There can be hundreds of tiny individual pieces, each of which needs to interact with the others precisely. To make the job even trickier, You often can't tell what's been done to a clock over hundreds of years. Maybe there's damage that was never fixed, or fixed badly. Sometimes entire portions of the original clockwork are missing, but you can't know for sure because there are rarely diagrams of what the clock's supposed to look like. A clock that old doesn't come with a manual. So instead, the few people left in the world who know how to do this kind of thing rely on what are often called witness marks to guide their way. A witness mark could be a small dent, a hole that once held a screw, These are actual impressions and outlines and discolorations left inside the clock of pieces that might have once been there. They're clues to what was in the clockmaker's mind when he first created the thing. I'm told fixing an old clock can be maddening. You're constantly wondering if you've just spent hours going down a path that will likely take you nowhere, and all you've got are these vague witness marks, which might not even mean what you think they mean. So at every moment along the way, you have to decide if you're wasting your time or not. Anyway, I only learned about all this because years ago, an antique clock restorer contacted me, John B. McLemore, and asked me to help him solve a murder.
2: Something's happened. Something has absolutely happened in this town. There's just too much little crap for something not to have happened. And I'm about had enough with shit town and the things that goes on.
3: From Serial and This American Life, I'm Brian Reed. This is Shit Town.
0: Investigatory journalism is amazing especially in podcast format. They released all of the S-Town episodes at one time, uh, similar to how Netflix releases shows. And what I hope to happen is for Age of Radio to be adding investigatory journalism uh, as we grow and get more money, whether through funding or through revenue. Uh, But in the meantime, if you check out S-Town, um, you'll be you'll be presently surprised it's an amazing podcast and you can get s town wherever you get your podcasts so make sure you check it out This episode of Age of Jeremy is brought to you by Amazon. The rest of November is Smart Home Month at Amazon.com. Having a smart home is amazing. I can check to see if my doors are locked just by asking my Amazon Alexa. I can also lock them if they're unlocked. You can also connect your home camera system to your Amazon Echo Show and be able to see the rooms in your house being played through that Amazon Echo Show. Head on over to ageofjeremy.com. In the featured section, there is a link to Amazon. It will take you over to Amazon's smart homepage, where there are great deals on everything you need to turn your home smart. Let's get back to the show. What is an engagement rate on Instagram? That's what we're going to talk about in this podcast social media section. Let's talk about what are engagement numbers. So on Instagram, your followers can engage with your posts by liking it, commenting on it, or saving it. Now, the engagement rate is calculated by adding your likes with the amounts of comments and then adding that number to the amount of saves. Let's take my most popular post. My most popular post has an engagement of 68. It has 63 likes, five comments, and zero saves. So 63 plus five equals 68. That post was about chatbots and creating first principles, looking at what is possible with chatbots and kind of bringing the attention to this concept of first principles. Not really important right now. What is important is the engagement rate number being 68. Now, the engagement rate is calculated by first dividing this number by the amount of followers you have. So currently, when I was writing this, I, have, I had 747 followers. So if I take my engagement rate, which is 68, and I divide it by 747, my answer is 0.09, .0910. Then what you do is you multiply that by 100 to turn it into a percent. This will turn that number into 9.10%. Now you're asking yourself, like I asked myself, is that good or bad? So essentially all that number means is that, it means that that specific post, if I reposted it, I could expect zero to 9.1 reactions for every hundred followers. So what's a reaction? That would be a comment, that would be saving the post, or that would uh, be liking that post. Now, since, per post is beneficial to look at to see what kind of posts are getting the most engagement, you can see what to really repl- replicate. So if I know that that post about first principles in chatbots had that much engagement or the most engagement that I've had out of all of my posts, it would make sense for me to repost things that have to do with that same type of content because that's something that people are interested in and they'll be more likely to be more engaged in that type of content. Now, Instagram Insights is helpful because you can organize your posts by engagement rate. So if you go to your Instagram and you go to Insights, then you go to Posts, then you go to See More, then you go to All, you can filter by engagement. And once you fil- filter by engagement, you can hit apply. Now I know that's kind of a little complicated because I'm explaining this over um, audio, but if you, you search on YouTube for engagement rate, you'll probably fl- find a plethora um, of content that explains to you how to get to that on your Instagram insights. So anyways, after you hit apply, it will organize your post by engagement. And then you can calculate the rate by dividing the amount of followers you have. So it's not gonna give you the engagement rate, it's gonna give you just the engagement number. So my top post had a 68 engagement. Engagement. My next post, I think, had like 58 engagement. So if I just divide those numbers by the amount of followers I have, that's what's actually going to give me the engagement rate. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I figure out what my overall profile's engagement rate is? Well, this is where Instagram doesn't really help that I could find. So, unless you want to pay money to a company like Iconosquare or Social Baker, it's not really easy to get your overall Instagram profile without um, calculating it yourself manually. Now, eventually, myself, or if you're a business owner or um, an influencer or just want to check it out, eventually, You know, you'll have to decide on whether you want to be able to calculate it manually or if you want to pay for a service like Iconosquare or Social Baker or one of the other ones that are out there. Um, I'll figure it out later and we'll come back to it, I guess, because that's what the point of this podcast is for me to explain that stuff to you. Um, But anyway, so I'll explain how you calculate your overall profile engagement because it's probably um, for the the metrics that are really out there. It's probably one of the most important metrics, especially because you will be able to gauge yourself with other profiles uh, a lot better. Um, as far as who, not really who has the better profile, but who has a more engaged profile. Now, your profile, um, your profile engagement rate is calculated by taking every post engagement score and adding them together. So let's say out of all the posts that I have, if I take those engagement scores, you know how I said earlier that my top engagement score was 68 and my second top engagement score was 58, so 68 and 58, and then let's say the next one's 40 and so on and so on. If I add all of those together, let's say I get 17,400. So 17,400 is my all profile um, engagement score. So 17,400. Now, that engagement score is for all those posts added together. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to divide it by my total posts. So I will actually take my actual posts. I have 290 posts when I was writing this. And why I'm dividing it by the total number of posts I have is because it's going to find my average post engagement rate. So if I divide 17,400 by 290, that's going to equal 60. This means that your average post engagement score is 60. So out of all of my posts, I average a 60 engagement score. Then I'm going to take that number and divide it by the amount of followers I have. So again, let's my, my followers are 747. 60 divided by 747 and then times 100 to turn it into a percent. So 60 divided by 747 times 100 to make it a percent that yields 8% or gives us 8%. So what that means is I can expect a total of eight likes, comments, saves, or a combination of all of those together added up for each post that I create for every hundred people. So my profile engagement rate based off of this scenario is 8%. Now what I can do is I can go ahead and compare that to other profiles um, Or other brands or other influencers or whatever have you that you want to compare to see who actually has the more engaged Instagram profile. And that's really important if you're an influencer and it's really important if you're a brand because you want to have the most engaged feed. And the more engaged your feed is, I guess technically or theoretically, you would assume that the more engaged your feed is the more those people are going to buy your products or watch your stuff or listen to your stuff or whatever the case is. And that's why the engagement rate is really important. Now, is 8% a good or bad engagement rate? That's actually pretty good. The average engagement rate is 4.3%. Anything over 4.3% would be good. That being said, however, I think There are some other metrics that I've been playing around with that might do a better job at looking at uh, the really the growth of a profile and the strength of a specific social media profile, which is what we are going to talk about next time. All right, let's spit a little bit about this award show. Now, November is coming to an end, which means that everybody who's listening to this podcast needs to go to Age of Radioheads on Facebook. It's a group, public group, and go and vote between Uncivil, these are podcasts. Hopefully you've caught on to that. Uncivil, Coffee with Butterscotch, School of Podcasting, or Star Talk. And whoever you all vote for, the winner. Age of Radio is going to send a prize to. Now, when I set this up, I was originally going to give away a mini microphone. I thought that would be really cool, thought it might cost like 10 bucks to make, and then mail it for another 10 bucks, so I'd be out like 20 bucks. But the brand awareness would be great, we'd be creating our own podcast show, and who the fuck wouldn't like getting a cool ass microphone trophy for something that they didn't even know they were being voted on? But anyway, I was wrong about the price altogether. To get the microphone would cost about $27, and that doesn't include shipping. Then then I thought about Disneyland, which is something I think about on almost a daily basis because if I could live at Disneyland, I would live there. In fact, one day I hope to have enough money that I can go to Disneyland and I can buy the place above the, the firehouse where Walt Disney used to have his bed or office or whatever the hell he had up there. Um, and then I'm going to sleep in there and I'm going to live at Disneyland. That's my plan. But anyway, so I I think of Disneyland a lot. One of the things I think about Disneyland are the collect the pin, the pin collections. And I think collecting pins is the best. In fact, where I work, um, one of my jobs, well, I wouldn't say it's a job because eventually I'm going to be on the board of directors and I'll be running the entire company. But that being said, For that place where I work, which I'm not going to say the name, the place that shall not be named, they give away pins, and I love collecting those, too. So that's one of the reasons why I try so hard is so I can collect pins. But so what I'm thinking is maybe we can get an Age of Radio pin made with a little microphone on it. And I have not checked into that at all because I have not made it a super priority, even though I probably should start making it a priority because November is almost coming to an end and then we have to find the winner and then we have to send this out and then hopefully they enjoy it and they talk about it on their podcast. That's, that's the trick. So I'm going to look into that and then I'm going to figure out how expensive that is and if I want to go that route. Because again, one of the most important things you can be doing as a business owner Um, Or just in your regular life is watching your finances. So um, that's one of the reasons, the other reason I'm trying to keep the cost down. Um, But uh, the only expense I think companies should go all in on are employees. Uh, Again, remember, people are the most important resource in a company. But most companies manage them like expenses, which is garbage. They should be managing expenses like expenses and managing people like people. And this is one of the other failures of capitalism, among many other failures. But I am also a hypocrite because the place that shall not be named is a bank, and I work for a very large bank. Now, more on that another time. Going to look into the pins and see what I can come up with. Uh, But remember, please, 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 please go and vote at Age of Radio Facebook group age of radio heads and you can go to Facebook look up age of radio heads. It'll come up, or you can look up age of radio and then go through the Facebook page and follow us on age radio and then go to age of radio heads group. Um, but it, it'll be fun. E- even if, um, even if it doesn't do the brand awareness thing that I want it to do, um, or strategy that I want it to have, even if going and voting and talking about the podcast and sharing podcasts with people and, and more people get engaged in this, um, uh, this media uh, or this form of entertainment, I think that'd be awesome. So either way, it's a win-win. It's a win-win situation. Win-win situation. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this scorecard. Now, if you don't know what a scorecard is, go listen to their podcast. I briefly explain it guess I could briefly explain it again. A scorecard is a bunch of metrics that a company looks at to make sure that all of the things that they want to measure are being measured and they're moving and progressing to the measurements that they, or the goals that they have set for those specific measurements. So like an increase in revenue, an increase in profit, decrease in expenses, and then it just gets more complicated from there. Um, but we're focusing, or I am focusing on creating a scorecard for both JV impacts and age of radio, and then taking those scorecards, um, for at least age of radio. Cause it's owned by my corporate, partly owned by my corporation, October revolution corporation. And then we're also going to be launching a nonprofit called one home, one human. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that too much here, but just want to put the name out there. Um, one home, one human, and I'm going to create scorecards. And then that scorecard. So they'll each have their own scorecard. And then October Revolution, who owns those, will have a scorecard that it rolls up into to measure the success of these corporations. Um, Essentially, what you want to think about if you're a small business owner or business owner or large corporation or a nonprofit or just a person wanting to have some fun, you always want to be able to measure your success in some way. And that's what metrics allow you to do. And that's why scorecards are so important. I know I want unit growth. On it. For example, we're currently selling nutrition plans with JV Impacts. So I've been tracking the type of packages we have been selling because we have different types of packages. Um, if you want to know what those are, go to jvimpacts.com um, and reach out to John Vasquez. You can reach out to John Vasquez at JV at jvimpacts.com. That's jv at jvimpacts.com. If you want more information on the nutrition plans that we are selling and workout plans and success coaching, just a plethora of products to take you to the next level. Um, But that all goes through John. So this will get us, um, okay, so we've been selling these nutrition plans. So I've been tracking the type of packages we have been selling. This will give us three metrics to measure. I don't really know what I'm going to call them yet, but essentially they are package sales growth. They are package to goal and they are package to goal growth. I'm going to give you some examples so it makes sense. If in week one, we sell 100 packages, we would compare that to week two, where let's say we sold 105 packages. That means we grew our unit sales 5% that week. Okay, so we had, first week we did 100, second week we did 105. If you take 105, subtract it from 100, and then divide it that by 100, you get 5%. The next metric would be package to goal. In week one, we had a goal to sell 100 packages. In week one, we sold 100 packages. That means that we have 100% package to goal because our goal was 100. Um, We sold 100, so 100 divided by 100 times 100 is um, 100. So in week two, let's say we wanted to sell 110 packages, but we only sold 105 packages. So if you take 105, divide it by 110, times it by 100, and then round it, you get 95%. So this would be an example of a package to goal metric or unit sales to plan goal. This is more useful when we take it even a step further. So in week one, we have had 100%, and in week two, we had 95, technically it was 95.45%. That would be a change, a negative change. We would have went down 5.5% in that percentage growth, which is a really great metric that more companies need to look at because you're able to see how your growth how your, how your sales to goal percentage is growing or decreasing over time. And what you can find out is, as that gap widens, whether it's a positive gap or a negative gap, it would be a good idea for board of directors or for management to look at what's causing such a wide gap. These are the first items that I'm going to be adding to the scorecard because it'll it'll help us look and see how we're growing with specific products and it'll also help us see help us see what strategies are working as those gap widens or those gaps gaps narrow now if we were a larger company if that if that goal to growth plan or that if that package to goal growth gap widened it might also be an indication that there's unhealthy sales practices going on because there's such a wide gap from the actual goal that we set to what we're actually doing. So what I mean by that is if we set a goal to say 100 100 units and then the first week the first year so we were supposed to sell 100 units in the first year. And in that first year we sold say 95 units. That's great. We, you know, 95 out of 100, cool, great. But then that second year we ended up selling we ended up selling, say, 500 units and we were only, you know, planning on selling 200 units. Well, that first year we only sold 95. That second year, we just blew our numbers out of the water, you know, by like 300%. So we would, that that gap's wide, right? That growth gap is wide um, to what we what we've actually planned to do. So we would want to look at that and find out if there's something unhealthy going on there. Or if there's something amazing going on there with our strategy and find out exactly how we want to contain that. And if you don't do that and it gets out of hand, um, you can hurt yourself in the long run. So this is one of the things that I want to be doing with all of our units. I'd also like to do it with our sales and uh, other sales to um, plan, plan measurements uh, because it's a very good indicator about where you should be looking at to see what's working well or what could possibly be not working so good. So uh, that's where we're going to start with the scorecard. And again, as we go along with this, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, chain, we'll, we'll go into some social media metrics that we want to we use on the scorecard. And at the end of it, we'll have a, a full list of metrics that we want to use that, that we have defined that if we meet these metrics, we are being successful as a company. All right. This is the personal development time. Now, I believe in keeping a close track of what is going on every day to find out what is happening. So the best time, the best shape that I've been in my life is when I've actually weighed myself every single day. And so one of the best ways to do that um, is to wake up every morning and weigh myself every day. So I'm weighing myself every day. Uh, So starting this week, I uh, started tracking my weight every day. And um, I'm going to start giving updates on the podcast. So I weighed in Monday at 240 pounds, um, which means over the last like eight years, I've gained like 40 pounds. Um, And there's lots of contributing factors to that. Mainly it's because of the way that I eat and that I don't exercise. But for fun, I'm going to blame it on the diabetes. Um, uh, But so my wake up time right now is about 515. If you ask my wife, it's more like 530 because I turn the alarm off. But, um, it's 515 now instead of 430 because of daylight savings time. So I have to start getting to, to my day job at around seven instead of six. Now, first thing in the morning, I'm going to weigh myself. So I did it on Monday, weighed in at 240. And then, um, uh, one of the things is, you know, the weighing is going to, you know, keep me on track of seeing that weight fluctuate. And, um, but, but one of my biggest problems is I like eating whatever I want, but I know that I can't eat whatever I want because I'm not exercising an hour to an hour and a half a day like I usually, that, that like I've done in the past to be able to eat whatever I want and keep my weight down. Because now, since I've started to focus on um, 60 hours a week um, when I... About a month ago, two months ago, maybe now, I kind of, I stopped going to the gym so so I could work more. And now I'm focusing on that 80 to 100 hour work weeks. So I need to find out how I can implement uh, some type of exercise and then cut down my caloric intake. So to start myself off, I'm going to get my exercise by walking my dogs and working on the backyard and front yard. So the, the nonprofit that we're going to, that I'm going to be doing as a very side gig right now, um, called one home, one human, um, those projects, um, well, okay. So the, the thing about one home, one human is Elon Musk. He has a, he has a side company that he works about two hours a week on called the boring company. And the boring company is a way for us to, um, put a car on a track and go underground, um, and then it just kind of speeds you to your destination. It's like a, it's like a subway, but for just your car. That's called the Boring Company, and that's a side project that Elon Musk has. <laughs> but um, one home, one human, being a nonprofit, and what I really wanted to accomplish over my life. Um, eventually, it'll it'll take more of a precedence over some other stuff. But right now, I want to get it to about maybe two to five hours a week working on it. But the the type of type of products that it's going to do type of products it's going to create and technologies it's going to create. It's going to require me to do a lot of research outside, um, which which is going to be activities for me. So I'm going to kind of use that as exercise because of the, some of the stuff that I have to do in the backyard to plan and build and do stuff with this nonprofit. Um, so hopefully these activities should help me burn some of the calories. Also, I am going to, like I said, decrease my caloric intake, and I'm going to try to get it down to 2000 calories per day for the next couple of weeks. I probably usually like 3,500 calories a day, give or take. And I drink a ridiculous amount of soda, um, diet soda, which is worse. Um, but then I'm going to try to get down to about 1800. So this should help get the weight down. Um, and then I'm going to base my weight off of science and see if I can do that. So I should weigh somewhere between 152 and 172 pounds, But right now, again, remember I weigh 240 pounds. Now, I have a really large build, so I'm going to shoot for that 172 mark and go from there. I'm going to focus on not losing more than five pounds per week. Uh, One of my biggest problems, like I mentioned, is drinking soda throughout the day. Now, I'm a diabetic, and that's the main reason why I drink diet soda, or I probably just drink a crap load of regular soda all day long. Um, But the great news about... That diet soda is it actually causes diabetes or makes diabetes worse. It also causes heart problems, kidney problems, it increases belly fat, and it can change your mood, which is probably why my mood changes all the time. I don't know. But it's really about time that I stop drinking soda, especially since I probably spend more money drinking soda than my wife does buying cigarettes. Um, but the thing is, I use the carbonation in the soda to help me... Uh, Help my belly fill full, but then it also just makes my belly increase in size. Now, my hope is that as I lower my caloric intake, I will get less hungry, and then it'll be easier to stop drinking the carbonated beverages or at least drink less carbonated beverages. So that's really what's going on in my personal life right now. But other than that, just focusing on the 80 to 100 hours a week and bringing this amazing podcast to you people. And doing amazing stuff with Age of Radio and JV Impacts. So remember, jvimpacts.com. Uh, if you want some of the nutrition plans, uh, getting close to November, actually the end of November, so Thanksgiving, because this is Thanksgiving today when you're listening to this. And then you're going to go be going into the holidays, so it's a great time. To get some nutrition plans and a workout plan, just email John Vasquez at JV at jvimpacts.com. That's jv at jvimpacts.com and just say, hey, Jeremy told me to reach out to you so you can make me a cool nutrition plan. Um, he made me a nutrition plan and it's freaking fantastic. So um it's really gonna help me get to my 2000 calories a day. Um, and it's right there on the JV Impacts app. It's amazing. So Um, if you, if you want that too, you can get it, you can get it $49.99 for the nutrition plan. And then we have some other plans in there. If you want to, uh, if you want to get that, get that for the holiday season, last thing like I always do, if you're listening to this in the morning, have a good afternoon. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, have a good evening. And if you're listening to this in the evening, have a good night. And I will check you later.